Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're uh, doing well on this uh, chilly uh, morning, this cold morning. Uh, did you see snowflakes yesterday? Okay. All right. I thought I saw snowflakes. It must have been dandruff or something. Hey, uh, my name is Todd. For those of you I don't know, and uh, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, glad that you've chosen to take time out of your schedule to uh, be here with us as we continue in a series that uh, we've entitled, And God Rested, uh, as we talk about the biblical definition of rest and how we can find our rest in, in Jesus. It was uh, a couple of years ago in our house, we had an interesting, a really interesting Saturday morning, and some of you uh, will like kind of connect with this, and some of you like are in the midst of this season of life right now. Here's what happened. It was going to be a busy day, and I was taking uh, one kid one place, and Cynthia was taking another kid, and I can't remember how it was divided up, but I mean, we only have two. But anyway, so we were going like in different directions, and uh, we had a soccer game, and we had a couple pool birthday parties, I believe, uh, and we had, I think, something afterwards that we were going to connect all of us together. And so that morning, uh, you know, we got everything together. We, uh, you know, got the pool bag, and we got some beach towels and laid them down on this little table that was in like our kitchen area so that we could pick it up and, you know, leave as we go. And uh, so we were uh, getting ready for the day and everything was going great. And then Cynthia said to me, um, I, I don't know where my cell phone is, which in our day and age is like not knowing where your driver's license or where your, you know, to pay, you know, your wallet or purse, ladies, uh, you know, is. And so she said, the last time I saw it, you know, Sean was playing on it or something like that. So, um, so I said, hey, we, we got this. You go get ready for the day, and the kids will look for your cell phone. I was going to say the kids and I, but I was, I'm a good dad. So I sat and watched them look for the cell phone. And they looked everywhere. You know, they, they did their job. And after uh, really about 30 minutes, they came back and, you know, we can't find mom's cell phone. And, and I said, well, let's just then, we've, we got to find the cell phone, okay? This is going to be a long day for the Cullen family, you know, if we can't find the phone. And so we went and, and searched high and low. We looked in the toy bin. We looked in the other toy bin. We looked in the closet. We looked in the bed, under the beds, everywhere. We even, even went back into our room um, to look for mom's cell phone. And, and, and it was really kind of like one of those moments, families, moms, dads, husbands, and wives, kids, you guys know the moment, a little stressful in the house. And as the stress went on, my voice got a little louder and, you know, and it was just one of those tense moments. I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that ever in your lives, right? Yeah, maybe today, this morning, maybe. Anyway, um, we, uh, we were kind of going through that. And, and finally, we just decided, all right, we'll have to find it later. And so as we were leaving, I looked down and on top of the towels was Cynthia's cell phone right there where one of us had put it. We don't know who, and, and you know, I'm not going to name any names, Sean, but it, that's where it was, right there on top of those towels. And so we grabbed the cell phone, and, and, and we left. But have you ever been there? Like you're looking for something, and it's right there in front of you. Ever, ever been there? Am I the only one that's like ever been there? Where you're searching high and low, you're looking everywhere, and the thing that you're looking for is right in front of you. That's the way it was that day. Thank goodness we found it, because the stress ended right there when we found the cell phone. You know, when it comes to some of the disciplines of the spiritual life, some of the practices, some of the um, things that we do when we engage with God, um, sometimes 
our focus is so much the, the technical part of that practice or that routine or ritual or whatever you want to call it so often like we're so like into the thing that we forget about the thing that God wants us to see in that or what he wants us to realize about that. And sometimes the real thing is right there in front of us. You know what I mean? And we totally miss it. I can't tell you how many times we walked right by that cell phone in about a 45-minute panicked period of time in our house. And I think we often do that. And I think specifically we do that with the subject matter that we've been talking about over the past few weeks with this idea of rest. I think that often we get so caught up in the practice and so caught up in the routine and, and the details and the technical mechanical part that we miss what God wants from us or wants us to benefit from in that practice of rest. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to end up there today. We're going to land at Matthew chapter 11 in a verse that we began with last week as we continue in this series called Rest. I want to just, as a way of like a minute review, just remind you that what we're doing is we're putting pieces of a puzzle together so that you and I, once we're done, four pieces of a puzzle, we can see the whole thing and see what God intended with rest. And so we're in our third week. In week one, here's what we learned. We, we, found, we learned that um, we, we need to find our Sabbath in our week. And so uh, I gave you the assignment and the first piece of the puzzle is find when your Sabbath should be. Um, and, and we talked about the misconception that like um, those of us who grew up in a church environment or some kind of religious environment, Sabbath to us is like doing this, um, gathering together and, and worship. But that's worship. God's intent for Sabbath is rest. In fact, the word Sabbath means a deep rest. And, and so I challenged you to find um, a day during the week or a large part of the a day during the week where you can truly unplug from what you've been involved in that week that depletes you and be filled up with what God wants you to be filled up with. And so we, I gave you the assignment, find when your Sabbath should be. Mine is on Friday. That's the day I unplug. That's the day I do everything that I can to not engage with work, although sometimes you have to. We'll talk about that next week a little bit um, when sometimes you just have to. And we'll actually talk a little bit about it today. Um, but um, we all ought to have a time in our lives, if we're Christ followers, where we stop and, and try to hear from him. And the second part of uh, the second piece of the puzzle, the second action item that we gave you, that I gave you, is that we should release to Jesus areas of our lives um, that are in need of restoration and replenishment and repair. And so last week, I challenged you to take those three things and to give that to God. And if you remember, if you were here last week, um, if you weren't, I challenge you to go listen to the podcast. You can go online and do that or to iTunes. Um, but we, we talked about the fact that Jesus says, and here's where we're going to end up later in a few minutes. Jesus says to come to him and to bring what burdens us down and to give that to him. Like he wants to receive it. He wants to receive whatever is weighing you down. And so last week, hopefully this past week, you spent time releasing some of that to Jesus. And if you did, that's sometimes not an easy thing to do. Because even though like that 
stuff that we carry around that's so heavy and weighs us down, it, it, like it seems to make us stumble and fall and it makes us trip, sometimes we're so used to carrying it ourselves that we continue to do that, don't we? And so hopefully you have walked through and kind of had those two pieces of the puzzle that you have found out. You know, um, years ago, um, this was back in the 1920s and 30s, there was a, a founder of Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, his name was Lewis Schaefer, L.S. Schaefer. And uh, he wrote a book called Grace. And, and in it, he tells a well-known story. Some of you probably heard this story before. I'll, I'll read it to recount uh, the details of the story. Uh, one day, one man challenged another man to an all-day wood chopping contest. That sounds like fun. The challenger worked very hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. But the other man had a leisurely lunch, and he took several breaks during the day. Well, at the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and, and frustrated and annoyed to find that the other guy had chopped substantially more wood than him. And he said, I don't get it. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. How did this happen? And the winning woodsman responded by saying, you didn't notice that, when I, that I was sharpening my axe when I was at rest. Some of you have read um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and one of the habits is to sharpen your saw. And I want to let you know that that's a, a, a business principle. It's a, it's a productivity principle. It's something that um, we do in the business world. You may do in the business world. But I want you to hear this morning that that wasn't a, an idea that Stephen Covey by himself came up with. The whole idea of taking time to sharpen your saw or sharpen your axe comes from the Word of God. And my guess is, my feeling is, because I've been there before, there are probably a lot of us in this room um, whose blade is incredibly dull right now. And we're in need of uh, time when we can spiritually just, you know, rest in terms of our work life so that we can spiritually have our saw sharpened so that we can be the best version of who we are for God that we can possibly be. Today, my goal is to help you further understand this idea of, of what God intended for rest um, so that you can serve him in a remarkable way. And we're going to talk about that piece next week. Um, last week, I gave you some best practices um, in terms of finding rest. This week is really, how do you be successful in that rest? How do you and I um, really kind of measure the day that we rest and, and, and how that goes? How can we design it in a way that we have time to unplug from work, to unplug from maybe the stress of work and family. Some of you are like, that will never happen. I have to take my rest in like Bermuda, if that's the case, and I get that. And seasons of life determine how this goes. But to the best of your ability, find, find a day when you can rest for the purpose of sharpening your saw, sharpening your axe 
um, so that you can be the best person you can be. Three principles uh, that, that will lead us, I believe, to success in this area right from the Word of God. Take a look with me. Um, you have a blank page in your notes. You'll see these on the screen. You can also go online and download the app, and the notes will be right there. Finding success and rest, first and foremost. You and I have got to be in alignment with the spirit of the Sabbath. We've got to be in alignment with the spirit of the Sabbath. And, and to find the spirit of the Sabbath, I want us to take a look at a passage from John. This is similar to a passage we looked at two weeks ago in the book of Mark, but I love this passage. It's found in John 1 through 17. And I'm going to spend um, not a whole lot of time on points number one and two so that we can spend the majority of our time on the last point. So let's read John 5, and I'm going to read 1 through 17 and, and stop and teach, and, and uh, we'll learn uh, how we can be in alignment with the Sabbath. Verse 1. Um, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is, is in Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic, and it's called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind people, lame people, paralyzed, people who are paralyzed. So, so get the picture that there's this pool that these people would go to, and, and the water had uh, healing elements that they would go to, and they would get in that pool, they would get in the water and be healed. Verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, it's interesting that the author here um, uses a different word than he just used. Uh, paralyzed is actually different. John uses it, in a, uh, uses it actually a different word here. The, the word invalid literally means what you think it might mean. It means that he literally couldn't walk and he couldn't get in the pool himself. And so um, he had been there for 38 years waiting to get into this pool. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? I love this. I, this is, has nothing to do with the message, but you see the compassion and love of Jesus in this so much. T check this out, verse 7. The sick man answered him, sir, I have not one to put me into the pool. I don't have anyone to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up, and while I am going, uh, and well, and while I am going, another steps down before me. So, so here's the picture: for 38 years, this man has been trying to get in this pool, and somebody cut in line in front of him. I, I mean, my heart just breaks reading this. And Jesus said, "This, get up, take your bed, and walk." And at once, the man was healed. And he took up his bed and he walked. I love this because do you notice he didn't even have to get in the pool? Jesus had the power of God to heal him. He was all God and he healed them so much so that the man didn't even have to touch the water. After 38 years of waiting to get in, Jesus, God's son, healed him with just the words of his mouth. And so we find this man was healed. And the end of verse 9 says this. Now that day was the Sabbath. And here we go. Check this out. Here's the point of this passage uh, that we're in context of what we're talking about. Verse 10. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, hey, buddy, uh, it's the Sabbath. They didn't say buddy. I'm sorry. I inserted that. And it's not, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. <laughs> but he answered them, 
The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And then they ask him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Okay, now look, this poor guy has been waiting for 38 years to be healed. And Jesus, with just the words of his mouth, heals him. And the self-religious, self-religious, self-righteous, religious, judgmental leaders that we see so often in the Gospels, and they come to Jesus and they come to this man. And instead of expressing excitement for this man and the healing that Jesus has done, what do they do? They point out that he didn't abide by the mechanics of the law. Oh, man, don't you just want to, like, punch him in the face? In Jesus' name, of course. It just makes me mad reading that. And I don't know about you. I mean, I'm sure that I have things that I'm self-righteous about sometimes and judgmental about. But, man, this guy was healed. Somebody ought to be, like, having a party for this man, right? And they're all ticked off because it was done on, on a religious day. It was done on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath day. Afterward, verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you're well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away, and he told the Jews, I like this part too, he told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. Oh boy, here we go. Now they're going to not come after that guy. They're going to come after Jesus. And this was why, verse 16, this is so important um, in the context of the big picture of what happens with Jesus. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You want to know why um, they put Jesus on a cross? was because he violated the Sabbath law. And by the way, the Jews in this day, most of those religious leaders, added to what God said about the Sabbath. So they added their own rules to what God's rules were. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them, and he said this, Hey, guys, my father is working until now, and I am working. And so here's the son of God that is really being persecuted because he's violated the Sabbath again, and he says, I, I'm working. And by the way, God the father is working and with that one sentence, with that one verse, what Jesus does is he says the Sabbath, the rules and the mechanics and the technical parts of the Sabbath laws are non, they're non important anymore. And the reason that he could say that was number one, he was all God, but number two, he came to die to bring the law to a completion or fulfillment. And so what existed in the Old Testament didn't exist anymore unless Jesus repeated that thing, okay, or, or law or rule. And so in this case, he's saying the Sabbath isn't about that. And here, here's the point. Um, you and I here in 2016, um, we have to lose in our mind the obligation of the Sabbath, even though rest is a command. I'm talking about the technical parts of it. You see, there were 39 man-made rules that you had to do on the Sabbath. The, the Jewish people of the Old Testament, they didn't even hardly move on the Sabbath. I don't know about you. I don't know that I could like do a whole day of just sitting and, and, and eating. and like, it, like That would be incredibly difficult to do for any of us. And I'm sure it was for them. But we have to find the true intent of the Sabbath. So lose the obligation... 
of the technical parts of the Sabbath, but find the intent of the Sabbath. And the intent is clearly that you and I were meant to rest and that God created the Sabbath so that we could benefit from it and rest. And that leads me to the second point. Check this out. You and I need to discover freedom in the plans for our Sabbath. Discover freedom in the plans for your Sabbath. What you do on that day of rest there's not a lot of legalism around. God wants you to rest. He wants you to t- pull away from, from what you've been doing. Someone in between services came up and said, the way I've kind of viewed my day of rest all these years is what I did on the first six days of the week on the day of rest. I don't do those things. It's pretty good. That's an easy formula right there. Whatever I did those six days of the week, I just don't do that on the seventh day. God wants you to find that day and then, and then rest. And Mark 2, 27 and 28, we looked at it a few weeks ago, um, really emphasizes this point. Jesus said to these religious leaders, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God didn't create a day for, for you to worship the day. He didn't even create a day for you to worship God. He did create a time when we should come together and worship We see that all through the New Testament. But that is not the same thing as Sabbath. Sabbath is rest. God made rest for you, not the other way around. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Here's the point. We've got to lose the mechanics. We've got to lose the mechanics of the Sabbath. And we have to find the benefit of the Sabbath. And so that means that we should approach that day with a plan or else we will miss the forest for the trees. We'll walk right by that day of rest and it'll come and it'll go and we will have missed the whole point. And that leads me to point number three. You and I, on our Sabbath day, we need to be involved in activities that cause Jesus to be our central source of rest. Now, here's where we're going to get real practical. And a lot of this, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, give you some examples, and I hope that it prompts you to uh, think about things that you can do on your Sabbath that will help make Jesus the central figure of your day of rest. Because if, let me, let me just say this, if Jesus is not the centerpiece of that day, then all we are doing is benefiting physically and emotionally and mentally. And we will walk right by the spiritual benefit that God intends for us in practicing rest. And I don't want that to happen for me or for you. There there are some days that on Friday, my day that I rest, that I'm more intentional than other days, Um, but I always want to have a plan as I approach that day so that I don't just keep walking by and missing the whole purpose. So be involved in activities that cause Jesus to be your central source of rest. Now, let me just mention this. In Mark 12, 30, we see um, that you shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. I want you to say those key words uh, with me. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. Okay, so what God is saying there, what he is communicating to us is that the way that we can love him is through our head, through our heart, through our hands, the things that we think about, our passions and our heart, and then our total soul, everything that we are. 
He, he wants us to approach him that way. He desires that we love him that way. So when it comes to our, our Sabbath day, the things that we think about, the things that we are passionate and dwell upon, and the activities that we do with our hands or feet or whatever, uh, I believe need to be focused on making our focus him. I'm going to give you an example. Um, I, I believe that being relaxed on your Sabbath is a really good thing. I think that's part of it. And one of the ways that, um, in most cases, I, I like to relax is play golf. So I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago when I started the series, hey, can you switch your Sabbath to Thursday um, so that we can play golf on Friday? Isn't that awesome? I like that. That's awesome. And I've had a few people uh, ask me about Friday, playing golf on Friday. And um, so here's the deal on this. If golf points me to Jesus, absolutely, you bet. If golf does not point me to Jesus, or as it has a time or two in my life, points me away from Jesus, then I shouldn't be involved in that activity on my Sabbath. Are you with me? Some of you love to get in your yard and do yard work or gardening, right? But if you get in your yard for your day of rest, by the way, I do too. You wouldn't tell by my yard right now, but that's a whole other story. Like, some of you love to get in the yard, and that really, that's just a release. It makes you relax. That would be a great thing to do on your day of rest. But here's the problem. If that becomes the centerpiece of your day of rest, I think you've walked right by the intent that Jesus had laying right there. And that is you benefit spiritually. Yeah, you're going to get physical benefit. Yes, you're going to get emotional benefit. Yes, you're going to get mental benefit. Yes, you might get relationship benefit. But if you make the thing, make the means, the ends, then all of a sudden, you're going to miss what God intended. So here's just a little tip. If, if you, first and foremost, if you fill your day with activity, then I, I don't believe that's rest. And I don't believe that's God's intent. But if you do some activity that does help you to relax, it does help you to focus on Christ, great. But if at the end of the day, someone were to come and ask you, hey, what'd you do today? And you say, well, I worked in the yard. If that's your answer, or if I would say, hey, oh, I play golf today. I think we've probably missed the intent. Are you with me? Like those things should, should point us to Christ not the other way around. And nor should we get wrapped up in them and miss Jesus altogether. One way that um, on the day of rest that I try my best to prevent that from happening is to begin and end the day with Jesus. It's to begin the day in, in praying and looking at his word and end the day praying at his word. If you bookend your day of rest with that, I think you'll have a greater measure of success. Jesus says this. We looked at this verse last week, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. And we're going to look at it again. He said this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or the version we used last week said, uh, had a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. And last week we talked about giving that burden to Jesus. Here's what I want you to see this week. The next two verses, which we didn't look at last week, indicate that there's an exchange that happens. You give Jesus what burdens you, what like pulls you down, and he is going to give you something that will help lighten your load. Check out verse 29 and 30. He says, take 
my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, say it with me, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Jesus can provide gentleness. He can provide a settled spirit. He can provide rest for our souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke he's talking about is not an egg yoke, by the way, right? You guys know what kind of yoke it is, right? Check this out. This is, this is a great picture. I love those guys right there, those oxen. Sean is so proud that he knows the plural for ox is oxen, my eight-year-old. So we've been talking about that. And, and look at the burden that they have. Look at the yoke that they have that's pulling them down. When I was a um, teenager, we went to Venezuela in this farming community, and we uh, did some ministry there. And I watched a farmer hook a yoke up to, there was actually a couple cows. It was just a little bit smaller. But as soon as that happened, you know what happened? Here's what happened. Their whole bodies went forward and down. Their whole face and everything that was about them just went down, and they were in that position to work and to work hard and to labor. It was a burden. And Jesus says, I want to take that burden, but not only does he want to do that, he wants to put a yoke on you that is easy and light and gentle. I love that, don't you? He wants to exchange what pulls you down for something that is going to cause you to find rest and then peace. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest. Here's, here's the, the point this morning. You, you and I have to lose the attraction of the activity of the Sabbath and find Jesus as the central source of true Sabbath or rest. We've got a graphic. We're going to throw this up on the screen here real quick. Check this out. See, so often um, we want to be involved in something that will cause us to rest. Entertainment may cause you rest for a moment, right? Um, Veg time. I like some veg time, right? That's going to cause you rest for a moment. Um, Being involved even here today, if today's not focused on Jesus, will cause you rest for a moment. Um, Food, you know, will cause, make you rest. Art, sports, hobbies, all these different things will make you rest. But if you truly want to find rest and peace, you're going to be involved in all these activities only if they really point you to the one who can give you full rest and peace. And that's Jesus, our Savior, who is called the Prince of Peace. What in your life do you need to include in your Sabbath that will point you to Jesus? Is it quiet time? Is it veg time? Is it some kind of recreational activity? Hey, look, food always points me to Jesus. I'm just saying, always. (laughs) What is it in your life that will point you to him? Because if you miss him, you've missed everything. You've missed it all. Here's your action item today. This is your last piece or third piece of the puzzle. Uh, Write out an intentional plan of how you will spend your Sabbath. And here are just three ideas to to get you started. Uh, First and foremost, you have quiet rest. Take a nap, um, you know, in the middle of the day. uh, Find some time for solitude. Go for a walk on the beach. Quiet rest. Um, I I listen to a podcast uh, by a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt. He begins every day with 15 minutes of sitting in a chair. Could you do that? I'd have a hard time. 
just sitting, being still. But you know what the Bible says? Be still and know that I'm God. One of my absolute favorite books next to the Bible is um, this book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, we've given you a way online for you guys to go buy it. You can go, you can go do that um, online. But it talks about spiritual disciplines like solitude and rest. It's fantastic. It was written years ago, and it's a fantastic way to learn what rest is all about. Spiritual refreshment, prayer, reading the Bible, beginning and ending the day with Jesus. And then lastly, recreation. Is there something that really does cause you to relax so that you can focus on Jesus? Here's the warning. Make sure that your Sabbath plan focuses your heart and your mind on the true Prince of Peace. When you've done that, then you will find rest. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much that um, you know that we need rest. Um, you know that we need to find peace as best we can in this life. And God, I pray right now for those who are here today um, who need to find that peace and that rest. But God, they're, they're looking for it in the means, not the ends. They're looking for it in many other things other than you. Um, God, they're looking to find relaxation and rest in some sort of activity or some group of people or some kind of environment or some kind of entertainment or sports. They're trying to find that and they're beating their head against the wall because they just cannot find rest and peace becomes continually elusive. God, I pray right now that you would help them design a day of rest that may include some of those things but they do it because it really points them to you. God, I pray that you would help us, as the psalmist said, search our heart, know our ways. God, I pray that you would investigate our lives and that we would have a day of rest that is so intentional that we don't miss it, that we don't walk by it, that you want us to have rest for our souls, not just physical rest, not just mental rest, not just emotional rest, but God, you want us to have rest for our souls and we can find that rest in you. God, I pray that you would help us to do that. When everything around us causes us to be restless, God, I pray that we would find that rest in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray.